When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. A fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Hello, everybody out there in MD Nation. We're back, baby, with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my co-host, Christopher Dehauer, who's still trying to figure out his phone, and Mr. Adam LaRue, who's going to be back for a second episode in a row. Full disclosure, we're going to be, you're going to be watching this live on our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, on bellyup.tv on Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern like you normally would during the regular season. However, we are pre-recording this a couple of days later because I wanted to do this right after we got done with the Expo. So, Adam, I want to start with you. What was your favorite thing about this weekend, man? Because we had a blast. We had a ton of people. We had 
you know, we had runs with some of the top names in the industry. It was really a great time. Festivities all throughout the weekend. Of course, the expo itself was on Sunday. We got to meet a lot of great people, hopefully new people coming to MD Nation, new people coming to the Belly Up Fantasy Sports website. We had a lot of great engagement. But what was your favorite part about the weekend? Um, I mean, meeting everyone was really awesome, uh, just especially at the hotel. So at the Doubletree Hilton, where the expo itself was, um, j- you know, just meeting everyone in the industry in, uh, in a smaller, more confined space was was really cool. And the expo today was really nice, too. There were I, I wish I would have gotten to go around to more of the booths, more of the panels. I'll definitely be watching some of the panel videos. Um, but there were some really cool products like campus to Canton and all 22, uh, the, the PFF based fantasy thing, um, that I definitely think are interesting and would be good formats to, for me to try out. So I, I'm definitely eager to uh, get on, try a couple of those out. Yeah, we had um, tons of panel discussions. I was on the redraft panel discussion. I think those videos are going to get released for people to be able to consume them. And it was really a lot of great things. I mean, you had women in sports. I know, I know Lauren was Lauren Carpenter was on and we had, uh, Dynasty, there was IDP, um, pretty much anything and everything in between. There was best ball discussions, a lot of great stuff. Chris, was what was your favorite thing about the Fantasy Football Expo? I think it was kind of a chance to actually you know put some of the face faces some of these voices that we hear and see um, for myself and even just kind of our own belly up family here. Got a chance to kind of you know people might not realize we don't get to kind of see each other. You know with the COVID thing that kind of broke out. And throughout time, we haven't really got to work with each other with too often. We were always kind of doing wonderful shows, but it was really cool to kind of hang out with people from and see what everybody kind of is up to. Um, and then one of the other favorite moments was also playing the flag football, even though we lost and we, we didn't represent MD Nation that we needed to. But we will be back soon. Um, but yeah, I think overall, it was just like having fun and kind of putting the faces with you know, some of these voices and getting really noted you know, people. I think everybody seemed really approachable. Everybody seemed really friendly. And I think that a lot of times you kind of feel intimidated by, you know, people who are kind of higher up in the industry sometimes, but it was really great to kind of, you know, get to know these guys and women. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It was, was, everyone was great. Everyone was authentic. Everyone was really nice. Everyone was very generous with their time. There, there was nobody who, you know, had an ego where they didn't want to talk to you or look down on you or anything like that. Like everybody from top to bottom was just there to get to know one another off camera, off the mic, but also exchange ideas. We had a lot of guys we swapped ideas with when it comes to being able to better market our content in different platforms. We were able to help some people out with that as well. So that was really an awesome thing as well. Uh, We are talking fantasy football today, though, and we're talking about the best five, the bus five, and the sleeper five wide receivers so we got the expo stuff out of the way. We'll be back there next year, without a doubt. And a big shout out to Bob Lung, at Bob Lung, you know, at the at at the FF Expo. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he put everybody together like that. But a big shout out to him. But let's go ahead and get into some of these wide receivers. Starting off with our top five wide receivers heading in to, well, my top five wide receivers heading into 2022. And you guys can tell me whether or not you agree. If I can ever find the drop here. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. All right. So first up on the list is my guy, Justin Jefferson. Not Cooper Cup. Justin Jefferson is my wide receiver one, which is actually in line with the rest of the ECR. ADP-wise, wide receiver two. Now we're nitpicking. We're going back and forth here. The reason why I have Jefferson 
ahead of Cooper Cup, which is really the only conversation because I think Jefferson is still on the rise. He's trending upwards. The hiring of Kevin O'Connell is definitely going to, I think, make this offense more efficient, could open this pass attack up in a way that it has not been under the Kubiak system prior to. And Jefferson is an ascending player where Cooper Cup still going to be great, still have him ranked by number two guy. But I do think between the regression he's going to have possibly back to more of his norms, which are still above average and everybody else's, I think Jefferson, as the number one guy, I want the guys who are ascending, normally speaking, and a guy who is already just as talented in a very good situation, I think so myself. Uh, Adam, what, what do you think about Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup? Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, for m- many of those reasons, um, the offense is really interesting in Minnesota right now. Uh, and Jefferson is going to be the focal point in, in the same way that Cup is the focal point of the Rams offense. Um, having a healthy Cam Akers, adding Allen Robinson, things like that um, certainly aren't going to hurt him again. I would agree. Uh, wide receiver one's Jefferson. Wide receiver two is uh, Cup. But there are things where you're kind of nitpicking at that point uh, to make that distinction because it is really tight. But I, I'll go Jefferson. Chris, do you have any issues with the guy who was, you know, had the big record-breaking year not being the number one guy this year? Yeah, I kind of do because I think a lot of people are just assuming that Justin Jefferson is going to make this ascension to be do what Cooper Cup did last year. And I don't think that we've necessarily seen that. We've seen Cooper Cup, you know, adjust to this offense. And it was his first year with Matthew Stafford. Why can't it improve or why can't it at least stay the same? So I think this assumption is going to, you know, just decline. Cooper Cup outscored a lot of players last year by considerable margins. And as a receiver, one, talk about running backs kind of being elite elites, what you do each week. Cooper Cup was, most, to me, one of the most consistent, high-scoring guys you can have in your lineup week in, week out. So I still have number one on my board, but I understand Justin Jefferson is you know, coming, at, coming on his heels, so I can't argue too strongly with your rankings, but I, I still think Cooper Cup deserves to be number one. I can't say... I can't say that he doesn't deserve to be number one. But what I can say is that when he had the greatest receiving season of all time, you're not going to be able to duplicate that the following year. Jerry Rice, nobody's been able to duplicate those kind of numbers the following year. Not to say that doesn't mean he couldn't still be the number one guy, even if he didn't. But again, I want to take the shot more so with the Jefferson. These guys are very, very tight. Let's move to Stephon Diggs. This is where I'm a little bit you know, more different than the ADP, than the ECR is right now. When it comes to Stephon Diggs, his ECR right now is wide receiver four. His ADP is wide receiver five, but I got him at wide receiver three. I do like him more than Jamar Chase. First of all, we know the targets have been insane both years in a row with Josh Allen. The biggest difference of why Diggs maybe wasn't as you know astronomical, wasn't the wide receiver one that he was the previous year, was that his catch rate, his efficiency, it went down last season. I think there's a very good chance not only does he maintain the volume that he's been having with these guys over the past couple of seasons anyway, but he gets back to his efficiency being back upright. The emergence of Gabriel Davis, and you have good things you're hearing about Isaiah McKenzie, I think will lead to him doing what he was able to do on an efficiency rate when it comes to guys when he had like Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, and I think those open up the area for him where he can get back up to that 69% catch rate that he had before. And what's what made him a wide receiver one before. So as far as safe receivers go, Diggs has a target share. He's got the offense. And I don't see why he doesn't get back to being more efficient. So I love him as my wide receiver three. And I wouldn't be surprised if he could overcome a Cooper Cup or a Justin Jefferson. But Adam, where are you at on that? 
I, I tend to agree here as well. I and I think it has a lot to do with the situations of the the two. And I, I this top five it seems to be pretty consensus, and obviously not in this order. Um, but who the top five are, and you just look at the two behind him, Chase. T. Higgins is right on his heels, and the pace isn't very good. Devontae Adams, I think there's, I think that offense is going to be really awesome, but uh, there's certainly some limitations as to how many touchdowns that they could have. The volume's certainly going to be there, but uh, you know, th- is the ceiling there as much? Stephon Diggs is, to your point, one of the so- safest players in fantasy football, but also has the upside to be wide receiver one overall very much so in his range of outcomes is he the first person i'd bet on to do it no but he absolutely could do it and maintains being incredibly safe and and has been healthy for a a long long time yeah no doubt about chris i mean look a lot of people they love jamar chase they want him to be the number three guy are you with me on this or do you think chase is that number three option I'm actually probably a little bit different for both of those, and I actually have Devontae Adams as my number three. Um, part of my issue with Diggs and also Justin Jefferson is that I don't necessarily think they're the primary options in the red zone. And as a result, I think that it kind of affects where I have them ranked. Um, I, I love Diggs, and I think he's very safe, and he's got a wonderful floor. I love the volume you're talking about. And I do think the lack of attention in the sense that he might, not, he might get because of the other guy stepping up might help him continue to get that volume be more efficient moving forward. But I still question his red zone usage. This guy doesn't really – average double the touchdowns very often. Um, so for me, that's where I kind of have a little bit of a flip-flop. Where Devontae Adams has shown me he's a red zone machine, and I think he has a little more um, you know, higher ceiling in my book in a sense for that for purpose. But I understand Stephon Diggs, to me, still definitely in the top five. Well, look, Diggs had 10 touchdowns last season. So he does. He definitely gets double-digit touchdowns and can do it. And his touchdown rate last year was only about a 0.6% higher than it normally is for a player like that. So I, I would push back on that a little bit. And with Devontae Adams, I, who I do have in my number five, and we can just lump him into this conversation right now, which is about where the ECR has him and ADP is a little bit higher at wide receiver four. Again, we're all nicky picking when we talk about the top five here. But when you're talking about Devontae Adams not having Aaron Rodgers, we're going to find out real quick. Was it Adams or was it Rodgers getting that high touchdown efficiency rate? Because Adams has been one of the, the best touchdown rate wide receivers over the past four or five years, but so has Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. So it's going to be a little bit of a chicken or egg thing that we're going to get a little bit of an answer to this season. I don't disagree that obviously Adams is a tremendous wide receiver, but I don't feel comfortable putting up a hit, putting him over guys that are, are more surefire situations. I already have, I know have a chemistry. I know have had great success, success on the field, including with Jamar Chase there with, with Joe Burrow and the fact that, it was just his rookie season. There's some things he could work on that he could put together. We may not have seen the ceiling for him yet either, which is why I have him one spot ahead. I'm not going to argue too, too strongly on that, but that's why I do have a strong stance on Stefan Diggs being my number three. I don't know if you have a rebuttal to that at all. Or Chris can you go ahead and just take himself off the show altogether. So uh, Adam, <laughs> I'll ask you that question. What do you think about that? No, again, I tend to agree. I will give Chris at least this, that that was his first year in double-digit touchdowns in uh, the NFL. So I'll I'll give him at least that much that, you know, there's at least an argument to be made that that was, um, you know, a bit of an exception rather than the rule type of thing. Uh, But I'm I'm with you. I am more of a Stephon Diggs type of guy. All right, well, let's go ahead and let's move into our bust five wide receivers that you want to make sure you're avoiding. Look out for... 
All right, so the kickoff our bus five guys. We're gonna we're gonna work just from five all the way up to one. So we're gonna start off with Mike Williams. Now, last year, Mike Williams, I know everyone gets caught up in the first five games that he had were absolutely tremendous. He was a top elite, you know, basically top three receiver all together in fantasy football. And I don't take away from that. I don't take away the talent that he has. I don't take away the quarterback situation that's in front of him. I don't take away the fact that he's in a pass-first, high-tempo, up offense. There's no doubt about any of that. My problem is, is that what we saw last year was that he played at his peak, and yet what we wound up with was still a wide receiver three in Mike Williams by the end of the year. The rest of the way, he was a wide receiver 27 after those top five weeks. And yes, you could say it was, well, because of the knee injury, he wasn't maybe playing himself. Mike Williams is consistently dealing with a knee injury. So why draft a guy in the top 20 in a very deep receiver class in particular this year in fantasy with a lot of guys who I think have a higher floor to ceiling ratio. And at this point, call a spade a spade. Mike Williams just is what he is. He's a boom or bust wide receiver three. What do you think, Adam? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, Mike Williams is an interesting one because I do think he's a, a pretty good player. And um, I, I'm, I guess, just worried about that injury continuing to creep up more than I am him himself. Because I think uh, the, the odds of him starting off the season rather strong like he did last year are pretty good. I think when healthy, he is pretty good and he is a good fit in this offense. But I think, you know, you, you could see something like last year where he tweaks something and uh, isn't himself for a while. Uh, he's just, uh, you know, one of those guys who, like you said, is, is pretty boomer bust, a good best ball guy, but maybe not someone who gear long, um, um, you want. Nobody's even talking right now. I think we have Chris back. I could be wrong, but hopefully we do. So Chris, we'll have to skip where we had you at for the best five. This is getting to Mike Williams. Where are you at on Mike Williams? Do you agree or disagree with the fact that I have him about 10 spots, nine to 10 spots lower than the ADP currently? I mean, I understand that what you're kind of concerned about, especially you saw him trend off towards the end of the season. I have him a little bit higher. I'm probably at the midpoint. So I probably going to be five spots in between. Um, I think for me, Mike Williams still has some upside. You kind of see him still getting his comfortable comfort zone in this offense. You do see them make him a priority. I like what I'm hearing out of camp about him continuing to utilize some different places, uh, you know, kind of moving away from him just being that big play guy or just that red zone guy. So we do know that he's good at both those things as well. Add the fact that he might get some more volume. I have him a little higher than you, but I understand kind of trepidation moving forward. So let's move into our number four. Now our number four bus guy, Juju Smith-Schuster. Wide receiver 33 on both ECR and ADP right now. He's my wide receiver 45. Now I know there's a pathway there. Obviously we're waiting to find out who's going to be the guy that's able to step in and be Patrick Mahomes' number one wide receiver. We do, Travis Kelsey, we know he has his role, 
We know he might get a few extra targets due to the, with the situation with not having Tyreek Hill. Somebody in this receiving core is going to have to emerge. We all understand this. Yes, Juju Smith-Schuster most likely will get that opportunity come week one. I don't see it lasting. When has Schuster been? It hasn't just been the Ben Roethlisberger situation of, you know, him checking the ball or getting the ball out of his hands. Schuster has had real problems separating and everyone who has watched him at all over the past two years should be able to see that that's a guy who just doesn't look explosive. So why would I draft a guy when I know there's talent behind him, like a Sky Moore who likely could take over the second half of the season, quite frankly, with his skill set and has much higher upside, who I'd much rather take because he's going down like the wide receiver 60, 70 area right now, according to ADP. Why waste to pick at wide receiver 40, uh, wide receiver 33, excuse me. I have him as a wide receiver four. I think that was more proper value. I, Adam, I'd love to hear your thoughts though. Uh, I'm somewhere in between. I I think I have him higher than you do, but I still think he's going a little early. I'd like if he was going like five or so uh, spots back. Um, but he's an interesting one for a couple reasons, including the upside, as you mentioned, being in that Chiefs offense. He certainly has uh, a, a wide range of outcomes. He could absolutely be a dud. Um, but that's the type of situation that I think you really like to buy into once you get into your your flex types and your wide receiver three types. Uh, and then my other thing is, is I think that there is a lot of value in players who you can say firmly, Juju is going to have a role to start the season. It's going to be a very productive role. Now, if you are one that is going to, and I don't necessarily disagree, that Sky Moore is going to take over a bigger load uh, in the second half of the season, that's fine. What we've spoke to, spoken about a handful of times over this weekend here at the uh, Expo is that your team that you draft doesn't necessarily and really shouldn't be the team that you finish with. So if you feel confident that as a guy is going to start a season strong, you can always take him. And then when he is pro produced well early on in the season, go ahead and trade him if you think that is truly peak value. Um, that's certainly something where you can get um, value there. So again, I think he's going a little earlier than he should, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call him my wide receiver 45 either. Okay, and that's and that's fair enough. But at, at the end of the day, you're on the same page as me. Why are we taking that value when you're taking a look at wide receiver threes? And that's the most important part here. I mean, Chris, do you have anything to add, or is there a Chiefs wide receiver besides Juju Smith-Schuster you think will get an opportunity? I think there's a variety of Chiefs receivers that get an opportunity. And I think the thing for me for Schuster is I do think that he does have some you know value, as Adam's alluding to. But what is his ceiling? And that's what you're talking about. I, I look at Juju Smith-Schuster. This isn't a guy who can utilize a lot in the red zone. Let's say he catches the ball six, seven times a game. I can see a role for them consistently doing that for 49 yards, 50 yards. Is that going to help win you a championship? Maybe it gives you a guy you can kind of have an option on your bench. But for me, the, what I'm looking for, what I'm kind of reaching for that receiver later on in the draft or even where he's going right now, I'm basically looking for a guy who's upside, and I just don't see that for Juju Smith-Schuster right now. Guy runs like he's 65 years old. I don't like wide receivers who run when they look like they're 65 years old. Okay. I'm just, just a good rule that I think we all should be living by this next guy. I think we're going to get some, we're going to get some debate here on the show coming up. Cause I already, I already, I already know Chris and, and Adam might be somewhere similar on the same boat. We'll, we'll find out in a second, but I want to preface this by saying, I love this player. I also want to preface it by saying, while this is a bust segment, it's still about what is his value comparatively speaking to where he's being drafted with his ADP. 
And that for me right now is DK Metcalf. So DK Metcalf, his ECR rankings at wide receiver 21. His ADP is wide receiver 17. And I cannot fathom drafting DK Metcalf with having to have Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and Pete Carroll getting back to his old ways if if the later half of last season is any indication about what he was going to want to do starting off the year this year because Seattle's going to have to play ball control in order to be able to keep games close because their situation, both, you know, the talent, lack of talent they have, the quarterback position, and on defense, maybe I'm too low on DK Metcalf at wide receiver 31 because maybe he's just talented enough to overcome that, but there's no way I'm taking him inside the top 20 I will kick this back to Chris because I already know I think he disagrees. Yeah, I definitely disagree. I think people in general are just too down in the Seattle receiving core. I know Geno Smith and Drew Locke aren't sexy. I know that people aren't excited about them as options. Having said that, when you look at the stats last year, and I know people call him, it was a fluke they scored a touchdown, but DK Metcalf didn't do poorly when Geno Smith was the quarterback. In fact, he scored in both games and had one game with over 100 yards. So I think when you look at you know, what DK can do with Geno, I think it is something he, he can be productive with them. Um, I think Halak can be productive. His offense can be productive. I like the running attack. I like the offensive line. I think people are just assuming that Seattle's going to stink because Russell Wilson moved on and people hate Drew Locke and you know, don't love Geno Smith either. But having said all that, this offense isn't going to be too bad. And I think that DK Metcalf can continue to be the beast that he's going to be. And I think when you look at a guy who can have, you know, get the, basically score from anywhere on the field, is going to be a red zone monster. And the volume could be there. It was it has been the last couple of years. I think there's nothing, you know, the guy can't has to me to me still be in the top twenties. Um, I, I can't go to 31. So I, I understand, you know, people are definitely don't like this offense or don't think DK Metcalf can score, but I think he can still do what he's been doing. The only thing look, I can't argue again. DK Metcalf is a tremendous talent, and I don't want to get looped into this idea that I am anti-DK Metcalf and his talent, because I am definitely not. But I also watched Drew Locke last year make everybody irrelevant around him. And right now it looks like it's going to be Geno Smith starting week one. But what happens if we get into week six, week seven, Seattle's out of the playoff contention, which could be a real possibility. And they decide, well, you know what? We already know what Geno is. We're not winning anyway. And Pete Carroll stays true to his word about liking Drew Locke and liking him out of college and says, you know what? We'll just give you a shot here just to mix things up. And all of a sudden, I'm stuck in a situation where I got Drew Locke who can make everybody around him irrelevant at any given time. There's just too many red flags, in my opinion. Again, we look at the other wide receivers going in that range. I feel much better about, especially their floors, whether you want to make an argument about their ceilings or not, because DK, it only takes one play. I'd much rather take other guys landing in front of them. So we'll let Adam break the tie here between Chris and I. I really struggle with it. Um, because I think it's a situation where he could land. It could be really similar, ironically enough, to Tyler Lockett, how he had been um, in Seattle previously, where his year end, I think, could finish actually pretty close to his ADP. But I don't know how reliable he's going to be on a week to week basis. So breaking it down during the stretch that Geno Smith was the starter, he had uh, 23 targets. 19 receptions, which, by the way, an insane 82.6 catch percentage when his uh, season long was only in the 50s, and then five touchdowns in that four-game stretch. That's not sustainable. Now, he's DK Metcalf. He will have those pop-off games um, with big plays and things like that, but six targets a game, I don't know. He's going to be very boomer bust, I think, in my opinion. So while I think he might finish a little 
closer to the ADP than maybe you're getting credit for when it comes to year end. He's, I think, will probably finish as a wide receiver, too, by the end of the year. You might be looking at weeks of eight, nine points and also weeks of almost 30 points. Yeah, agreed. And again, this just comes down to there's no way I am taking him in the top 20 receivers. Absolutely no way whatsoever. But here's what I want to do, though. I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got our two top busts that we're going to go to and our top five sleeper wide receivers. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor has the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt with a little bit of a dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 20% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. True Classic doesn't just stop at tees. They are your one-stop shop for men's essentials. Super easy and simple to fill out your wardrobe. From polos and workout shirts with the same flattering fit to boxer briefs designed with a pouch to keep your bulge nice and comfortable. All their gear is top-notch quality at reasonable prices. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100 and 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're going over your best five, bus five, and sleeper five wide receivers. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. We're live right now or you're watching this live, I should say, on YouTube. We're pre-recording this particular episode because we wanted to get one more in before we left from our hotel room at the Expo, which was fantastic. Had a wonderful time with everyone that we met up with. A lot of great people that I think are going to come on our show now. As a result, we're going to be going on some guest spots as well. Can't be more thankful for Bob Lung to be able to put this whole thing together so all of us can have an opportunity to get to know each other and I'm looking forward to this being a yearly vacation now for the MD's Fantasy Football Show and for Belly Up Fantasy. But let's get back into the episode here. So we're talking about our busts. We want to wrap up our top bust with our top two busts and our number two on the board. A lot of you are not going to like because everyone seems to be huge fans of this guy, and I'm not 100% sure as to why, but that's Hunter Renfro. So Hunter Renfro right now, his ECR is sitting at wide receiver 38 
that's come down a little bit. It used to be up closer to the ADP. So now the ECR is kind of the in-between mark between myself, and it might be because of my fault that I'm dragging the ECR down with me, and the ADP at wide receiver 32. So that's what we're looking at here on Hunter Renfro. Now, look, I don't want to sit here, and I'm not trying to bash on the guy. I'm not trying to take anything away from the fantastic season he undoubtedly had last season. I'm not, not disputing that. But I will throw in here nine touchdowns and his touchdown rate of last season, which was way well over a good three points higher than what his normal rate is. It's not going to happen again. He is going to regress from the nine touchdowns he had a season ago, especially when you added Devontae Adams and you add in what could be a more healthy Darren Waller. At the very least, let's say Darren Waller does get injured. You still don't want to have to draft Hunter Renfro to count on that in order for him to capitalize on his current ADP, which is a mid-level wide receiver three right now, especially look at some of the other options that are being drafted ahead of him that just have a bigger floor-to-ceiling ratio, which we've been talking about all night long. That's what we're looking at when we're trying to discover who are we drafting at for value. And again, I know we talked about this on the AFC West episode, but for me, when I look at him and I say, hey, you are a wide receiver eight, without Darren Waller on the field. But anytime he was on the field, whether he was getting the targets or not, he's a wide receiver 34 with Waller from weeks one through six. And then he was the wide receiver 27 between eight weeks, eight and 11. Those are the weeks that are with Waller last season. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The volume isn't going to be much different than it was a year ago. In fact, it probably would regress a little bit because they were about a 60% pass rate last year as a team with Joshua Daniels. I know everybody likes, oh, well, Joshua Daniels, and he gets the slot receivers that he loves, and they always do really well. Typically speaking, Joshua Daniels has not had a wide receiver like Devontae Adams that he can also move around and have on the outside too, along with a good tight end. And I think that matters here in this situation. I'm You're counting on him getting the same type of touchdown level that he did a season ago. He's going to get less targets. He's going to get less catches. He'll also get less touchdowns. There's not as big of an upside unless someone gets injured. I'm not drafting for my wide receivers for that. So that's why I have him down at wide receiver 46, not all the way up at wide receiver 33. But Chris, go ahead about why, what you think about Hunter Renfro heading into this season. Yeah, I'm definitely higher on Hunter Renfro than you are. Um, so if we just to point out Josh McDaniels, I don't disagree that this, you know, the volume might not necessarily be this drastic difference. But I will say he never had Devontae Adams. He has had a Randy Moss. And even when he had Randy Moss, Randy Moss wasn't the most targeted receiver on that team. Wes Walker was. If you go through every single team Josh McDaniels has coached, every single one, the slot receiver is the most targeted receiver on the field. So for me, Hunter Renfro has one of the safest floors you could possibly have. And then to add the fact that you talked about his touchdowns going up last year. I don't think he's necessarily going to get nine touchdowns, but I definitely think he can get six or seven touchdowns. And for a receiver three with that kind of floor and a volume that could actually be, you know, go up as the offense could be better than it has been in the past year with the additions that they've had. I think Hunter Renfro is one of the guys I definitely have in my top 35. And I think that you look like you took the stats last year. 
You use Darren Waller as an example of how he kind of, you know, fell off from number eight to 27 and 34. Still in the top 35. So for me to have him at 40s is way too low in my book. I think Hunter Renfro is definitely a safe option as a receiver three, and I'm definitely buying right now on him. I think we're forgetting that Derek Carr is going to lock into Devontae Adams. And I think we're also forgetting that this team is not that 2007 Patriots team that we all saw with Randy Moss and Wes Welker. They're not going to throw it around to that extent and be that spread of an option team. And right now I'm looking at the ADP and I'm looking at Hunter Renfro at wide receiver 32. And like I said, I have him at wide receiver 46. Here's who's going after Hunter Renfro. Juju Smith-Schuster, I do have ranked one spot ahead, but you want to argue that neither here nor there, fine. But Elijah Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Rashad Bateman, Devonta Smith, Brian Ayuk, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Christian Kirk, Alan Lazard. There's a lot of names that have a lot higher upside and more of a pathway to targets that I'm not going to rank him over, that I'd much rather have. So that's why I have him down at wide receiver 46. Drake London, who we'll talk about in the next segment, is all the way down at wide receiver 45. You can't tell me with those options on the board that Hunter Renfro should be going as a mid-level wide receiver three, but I'm going to have Adam break the tie. That's such a such a difficult one with him, uh, just because he is, uh, to your point, Dan, kind of this, this safe guy um, in that area, which is a blessing and a curse because, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the upside of a lot of the guys that you just named. So it's really about how your roster is built, kind of how you have to value this guy if you're if you need. Uh, safety, then I, I think he is a really good option. So let's take that that couple that eight weeks eight to eleven stretch that you you brought up earlier uh, when Waller was there that he uh, dropped a little bit in fantasy production. He still got thirty one targets. He still got uh, sixty five yards per game. He was still heavily involved. He was less of a red zone threat, which I think we're both uh, willing to say he's probably not getting nine touchdowns again. That I will certainly say probably a regression there but I am also with Chris that I think he will get pretty heavily targeted here I think if I don't know if anyone the odd man out I really just don't think him it's him in a Josh McDaniel system um, but I do in this part of the draft really want more upside uh, with my wide receiver uh, and outside of his PPR value just inherently because of volume there isn't a ton of upside with him. He, I don't think he's going to get in the end zone a lot. So it, it's kind of difficult. Again, I think he will finish pretty well. However, you, you won't get those booms from him, and I, I don't think you'll ever see him do anything. I think his ceiling is probably a low-end wide receiver, too, at best ever. So that's kind of where things get dicey because there's guys in this tier, like Bateman, for instance, who you just brought up, who could do much, much better than that. Yeah, so Adam found a way to pretty much combine both of our points of view and turn it into one. You know what? That's fine. And that's why we have the show, and that's why we have the base, and that's why we point out all the arguments, and you decide which direction that you guys want to go. I know that when I put that out on social media about Hunter Renfro, I got a lot of backlash, and that's fine. I don't really care. I'm not going to change my mind as far as that goes, but there's a lot of people who do love them, some Hunter Renfro from last season. Let's get into our number one bust for me heading into 2022 right now, especially based off of his ADP and especially based off of his ECR ranking, Jalen Waddle. The ECR is at wide receiver 16. His ADP is even higher than that at wide receiver 14. I got him down at wide receiver 34. Again, this is another player that's hard for me on this list because 
It's a player I like. I'm a big Waddle fan. I loved Waddle coming out in the college process. This has got nothing to do with that. This is everything to do with the fact of what made him fantasy effective last season and what the addition of Tyreek Hill does to that. It was all volume. He didn't get targeted down the field. Two is still one of the worst quarterbacks on throwing the ball down the field. By the way, he's actually in the bottom half of quarterbacks when it comes to red zone, too. So now you need Waddle to pretty much have the volume between the 20s in order for him to survive. Well, guess what? They didn't give up all that draft capital. They didn't pay Tyreek Hill $30 million a year for him to be the second fiddle, the Jalen Waddle. And you bring in Mike McDaniel, so you're like, okay, it's going to be a different offense. Fine. But we have primary examples time and time again, especially last season, where it had to be one receiver or another. This offense, typically speaking, does not set up to have two wide receivers be able to hold their own, especially not on a week-in, week-out consistency basis, which is what Waddle needs to be if you're going to draft him as a top you know, wide receiver, too. If you're tagging him as wide receiver 14 like the public is right now. I don't see that happening. So if you take that away and he has to fend more on deep balls, on Tua becoming more of a quarterback that we have not seen him be to this point, and maybe he does. Maybe he turns Maybe he turns it around. Maybe he does get more aggressive with all of these weapons, but we haven't seen that yet. And if it doesn't happen, then all of a sudden you're looking at our huge bust, a huge disappointment that you're putting a lot of stock in. I see too many red flags at the end of the day when it comes down to it to ever consider Waddle as a top 15 wide receiver much feel much rather have him at wide receiver three or frankly in the real case of batter not have him at all but chris where are you at with tyree kill and jalen waddle and waddle being not in my top 15 yeah i couldn't agree more look i love jalen waddle and i also think that he's been underutilized in the sense that he's not just a guy who can catch you know four yard passes it's more explosive receivers coming out of the draft from two years ago guy who was you know arguably as explosive as jamar chase so it, that part, I think, has to change to a degree for him to, you know, maybe he won't get the volume he's seen in the past, but he maybe gets actually down the field a little bit more. I know you talked about Tua's kind of usage, and I think for me, I, I don't necessarily buy that narrative, but I, I understand that people haven't really seen Tua push the ball down the field, so you can't assume he's going to. Having said all that, I think Jalen Waddle, where you have him, is most perfect. I have him actually one spot ahead of Hunter Renfro because of the upside you guys talked about before, but I do have him in the 30s. I think he's a very safe receiver three. He's going to continue to get his volume. They did have, you know, spend a high draft pick on him. I know they added Wilson, which is going to, I think in some sense is going to help him because Wilson can play more of the slot receiver where Waddle can get outside. We've seen kind of the uh, hop. Brandon Ayuk had a nice streak when he was utilized properly. I think these guys can kind of, you know, eat both. I just think that Jalen Waddle is definitely not a top 20 receiver, definitely not a top 15 receiver. And I think a lot of people are kind of living off of what happened last year versus looking at what happened this year where you have add Tyree Kill to your point, give a lot of draft capital, gave him a lot of money. And this offense has been nothing but talking about how much to try to move Tyreek Hill around, try to make sure he's going to be featured. Jalen Waddle is going to be a second fiddle in this offense, so you can't actually draft him as a first fiddle. And let's be clear about this. A second fiddle in an offense that's not going to have this tremendous up-tempo pass rate. Because, I, I mean, when you say second fiddle, I immediately think about you know the, the Cincinnati Bengals. And I have no problem with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins both being ranked inside the top 12 right now. I had no issue with that, but that's also because you have a quarterback who pushes the ball down the field. They're going to throw it at a higher rate than what we think the Dolphins are going to wind up doing this season. But Adam, are you on with the board or are you differing at all from what we're saying? I'm also definitely low on him. Uh, yeah, I, I see him getting a decent amount of targets. I think he is a really good player. I mean, I also had him, him rather high in that draft class, but at the end of the day, 140 targets is going to be really hard to replicate with Tyreek Hill and with this system that's going to uh, assuming like probably run a decent little bit. So 
I don't know. I, I really struggle with Tyreek where he's going. I w- I would love to be wrong though because he is a great player. So those are our busts. So we were giving out koozies actually during the NFL Expo that you know said, "Hey, take a drink and let someone else draft a mistake." That was the official motto of our saying on our koozies for the MDS Fantasy Football Show. That's what the bus five is all about. Let someone else make that mistake, avoid that pothole. And that's essentially what we're trying to help you do. But let's move with somebody that is going to help you guys win leagues or be able to excel at the value of which you could probably draft them out right now. And let's get into our sleeper five wide receivers. So starting from our number five sleeper wide receiver, or my number five sleeper wide receiver, that's Devontae Parker for me. Now, his ECR sitting at wide receiver 55, his ADPs at wide receiver 54. I have him a few spots ahead at wide receiver 48. Basically, the big difference there is that instead of waiting till the very back end of your drafts or potentially not even drafting him at all, I do like him as a wide receiver four. <laughs> Excuse me. With him, though, and the reason why I like him as a wide receiver four, I expect him to have the red zone touches, which will cut into Hunter Henry but he's going to be a better deep field wide receiver than what he's had with Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. When I say he, I mean, Mac Jones, and there's a decent chance he gets more utilized within that role. But what do you guys think, Chris, you first, what do you think about Devontae Parker? Yeah, to me, the whole key is Devontae Parker's health. If this guy's healthy, I think he's going to be productive. Um, we've seen this from the past with him. Whenever he's on the field, the guy can, you know, light it up with the best of them, unless he has got Adam Gase as his head coach. So I think other than that, you're looking at a guy that has a lot of upside. Where you're talking about him going, for me, I have him a little even higher than that. I think he can definitely be a possible receiver three um, or even you know, step that bottom, line, bottom tier receiver two because of the red zone targets you're talking about, because where his fit in his offense. Kendrick Bourne had some nice games last year. A big part of that, I think, is because Matt Jones can see him and has a, a guy that he can kind of look for and kind of push the ball down to the, the field down to. So Devontae Parker, an actual guy who has that explosiveness, has that ability to kind of make plays in the air, in the red zone. I think he's got a lot of upside. We saw Mike Williams kind of, you know, find his niche last year. I want Devontae Parker kind of finds his niche in his Patriot offense this year. He's a guy I definitely think could be a steal, a guy that I think you should definitely take a shot on. And it's not something you have to draft, you know, spend any super heavy draft capital on. But when you're looking at some of these bottom tier guys, as we kind of alluded before, you look like you want to find a guy who can maybe get you double digits touchdowns, even over a thousand yards. So Devontae Parker to me is a great steal. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're talking about somebody that you're going to be drafting in double digit rounds that you can take later on. But Adam, before I lose my throat again, what do you think about Devontae Parker? No, I, I think <laughs> when we were talking earlier about uh, this being the area where we really want to target upside on our wide receivers, he is one of those guys because he's someone that when healthy, to Chris's point, and he has struggled with that, but when healthy, he has commanded uh, a a decent little target share. I mean, uh, for the first four games of last year, for instance, he had 32 targets. He was averaging about um, at actually eight per game. That's pretty good, and that was with Tua last year. Um, So he can certainly get his targets, but what makes him interesting, what makes him a really good upside player is those uh, red zone targets, as you alluded to. That's something that the other non-Hunter Henry receivers on this team in New England cannot do. They are not red zone receivers. They're the only two options. And 
Uh, Devontae Parker was acquired for a reason. I think it was for this role and because he's also going to help them to be able to push the ball down the field. That's clearly something that New England wants to do more as well. Uh, Mac Jones yards per attempt last year wasn't really where I don't think they wanted it to be. He is a better deep passer than a lot of people gave him credit for in the pre-draft process. That's why as much as it was a bad pick, I think that is the process behind someone like Tyquan Thornton, for instance. They want guys who can stretch the field so they see that speed and want to get them, um, but not to get into that too much. I think that all of the things um, that Devontae Parker does well are things that, one, he's the only one that does all of them well on that team, and two, it provides a lot of potential upside. And so to get someone like him super, super late as someone that's either uh, we're drafting him, either a flex or bench guy, he has upside, like a lot of it. So I'm definitely with you here. Yeah, Jacoby Myers, like, don't get me twisted. He's going to have his role still. I think it'll still be the safety blanket, quote unquote. But they need somebody to get down the field. We've seen Devontae Parker be able to do this before. The big question is, can he stay healthy? But that's already baked into where you're drafting him anyway. Let's move on to a guy I'm even more excited about, though. My number four sleeper on my list. That's Chris Olave. So right now, Chris Olave, ECR and ADP, both coming in at wide receiver 47. I have a rank of him a wide receiver 38. I think he's a borderline wide receiver three player. First and foremost, let's say Michael Thomas isn't exactly healthy and he's good to go. Well, last time I checked, when Jameis Winston is allowed to throw the ball, which I think he will be with Pete Carmichael now taking over the play calling, who is more naturally aggressive or at least more naturally pass prone than Sean Payton has been over the past couple of years in particular, he can have two receivers be very fantasy relevant. There's absolutely no question about that. He's able to, he was able to do it Evans and Godwin throughout his career. I have no doubt that he could do it with Thomas and Olave. And that's assuming that Michael Thomas is actually healthy and he's able to stay on the field. We haven't seen that in two years. So what happens when Thomas goes down? Well, now Chris Olave has a tremendous amount of potential because we already know he's going to be the lead dog there because of what what we saw out of Saints receivers last season. I know you brought in Jarvis Landry, but I think Landry's going to kind of have to prove that he's not totally done himself. So Olave, I think, is a really great position. And not to mention, this is a guy that I love throughout the draft process. I think you can line him inside, outside, Great route runner. So I'm all about Chris Olave. I got him ranked well ahead at ADP. And if I can get him a round or two before he's usually getting taken, that's going to be a really good pick for me, especially as a wide receiver four. But Chris, what do you think about Chris Olave this season? Yeah, I definitely think he's a guy that you might take a shot on, a guy you're looking for to end you know, towards the end of your draft. I'm not as high as you. I don't have him in my top 30s or in my 30s, I should say. Um, a guy that I have a little concerns with, I used to kind of dismiss Jarvis Landry. I think Jarvis Landry is going to command targets. He is a veteran, a guy that's going to probably be the slot receiver, starting the slot receiver as his offense. Um, you know, I agree James Winston could feed multiple receivers, but he also is going to feed possibly for the whole season now Alvin Kamara as well. So when you look at the volume and the passing attack, different guys who can kind of get the ball. Marcus, you know, Callaway still on the team. I know he didn't necessarily be that receiver one people wanted him to be last year, but still has talent. A guy who's also a field stretcher. I uh, think they also slide back more natural role. He kind of fits. And you look at the different guys they have on this team. It's not just a clear guy. I know they spent a lot of draft capital to get their hands on this guy, but I don't think it's necessarily for this year. I think moving forward, he's going to be the man. I just don't love him as high as you do, but I think he's a guy that you can have on your team where he's going right now for ADP and still take, take that wild card shot that he has the upside. Where's your measuring stick at there, Adam, when it comes to Chris Olave? 
To be honest with you, I don't think I was as high on him in the pre-draft process as you were. I do like him uh, a decent little bit, but uh, with both uh, Landry there, I am high on Michael Thomas. I'm really uh, excited for his return. I'm not uh, probably nearly as high on Olave as you are. All right. Well, I'll see you guys in the championship with Chris Olave soon enough. Don't you worry. But let's move on to our next guy. I think we're all going to agree on this one. I absolutely love him, and I was shocked to see that he has not moved up the way I thought he would to this point. That's Rashad Bateman. He's at wide receiver 27 in ECR, his wide receiver 36 in ADP. And I guess what surprised me of why he's not higher, because I have him all the way up at wide receiver 23, is a lot of people seem to like Bateman whenever I have a conversation, just whole fantasy football expo. Whenever I had a conversation with, about Rashad Bateman, everyone's super excited, but yet no one has him. Well, I shouldn't say no one. Very few have him. In their top 24, like I do, as a at least a low end wide receiver, too. And I think he's got upside from that level. Look, we saw Marquise, and were they going to throw the ball as much as they did last season? Probably not. But we saw Marquise Brown get 140 targets last season. And I've been saying it time and time again Rashad Bateman, as this offense wide receiver one, fits it a lot better, especially what they want to do moving forward, which is kind of get back to the basics, let's say, from what they were a couple of seasons ago. He fits it better. He's going to be better remold with Lamar Jackson. He's going to have a, give him a better presence of a guy who can go up and catch the ball, get those 50-50 tries. doesn't have to be quite as accurate. This is not an offense that takes a lot of deep shots on the field to begin with, and when they do, probably go to Devin Duvernay. Let Rashad Bateman work and do what he does best. Let Mar- Lamar Jackson do what he does best, and I think there's a very good chance that we're talking about a guy who winds up in the top 20 of receivers by the end of the year. So I'm just surprised, especially with the public being down at wide receiver 36, when there's such a clear pathway for what should be a good offense, especially an efficient offense in the red zone for the team wide receiver one this season. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I love a shot, Bateman. And for you, you know, your number one guy you had on your board was Justin Jefferson. We started off this show. And for me, this guy profiles a lot like Justin Jefferson, very similar skill set. And he kind of talked about, you know, this run first offense, I think, is kind of being held against him in some senses. I think everybody thinks Lamar is not a pass first guy, so they can't really teach your number one receiver and blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't necessarily, make, you know, that doesn't necessarily meet traction. You look at Greg Gorman offenses. Michael Crabtree, very effective in this offense back in the day. Sammy Watkins in Buffalo, very effective as number one receiver. Why can't Rashad Bateman continue that trend? Even Marquise Brown, while he was kind of you know typecast as a wrong in the wrong way in his offense in a lot of ways, where he's asked to just kind of run a lot of goes. You guys, you saw last year when he was giving the volume and actually utilized running multiple routes, different routes, got 140 targets. So why can't Rashad Bateman be that guy and be the guy that's going to be definitely above? <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Uh, definitely the guy that Baltimore is looking for to kind of take that next step. My only question for him is since he's coming to the league, he's got a lot of injuries. He's already banged up again. So that's my only concern when it comes to Rashad Bateman. Can he stay on the field? Because the last two years have been a little bit trying in some senses. Your patience where you're kind of, you've got to be number one. you got to be on the field to start getting those reps more often. That is a fair, that is a fair point. But Adam, uh, where are you as high as we are? Or are you more with the ADP? I'm definitely also there. I was super in on him in the pre-draft process uh, when he came into the league. Um, and that, he did have a pretty decent stretch with Lamar. Um, nothing crazy, obviously, but Hollywood Brown was still there. I, I think he is a great fit, as you guys have alluded to in this offense. I'm not gonna, <laughs> you know, beat a dead horse here, but I, I think he's a really good player and a really good fit here. 
All right, so then no more further ado. Let's go ahead and head into my second sleeper wide receiver that's going to help you guys win your leagues, and that is Jalen Tolbert. Criminally underranked right now in ECR. I do think that's going to move up, though, because we have, we're have we getting more news reports about Tolbert locking in a starting position. But ECR right now, he's wide receiver 86. The ADP wide receiver 65. And I'm trying to pull everybody along with me when I rank him at wide receiver 49. So first and foremost... We know, just by his own words, Michael Gallup is probably not going to be available for week one. Does that mean he's available week two? Does it mean it's week three? Does it mean he winds up on the pup list? That remains to be seen, but all definitely within the realm of outcomes. Even if it winds up being three games, now all of a sudden you got Tolbert. So first three weeks of the season, you got the guy who's going to be the second receiver to C.D. Lamb in a pass versus Dallas Cowboys offense. So right away, you got three weeks of really good value out of a player who, by the way, can line up inside and outside. Oh, by the way, on top of all of it, they didn't bring back Cedric Wilson. So they still need a third receiving option. This is a team that goes 21 personnel more times than not. Three receivers on the field. Tolbert can line up inside and outside. It's one of the reasons why I liked it. It's one of the reasons why I thought he was that guy in that second, third round of the NFL draft that I thought possessed quite a bit of value. Actually, Compton to Michael Gallup, I think he's a little bit more versatile than him, but his, his speed to size ratio, very, very similar. So I really like Jalen Tolbert, especially if Gallup, even when he comes back, maybe he's not quite back up to snuff. But Chris, what do you think about Jalen Tolbert as a wide receiver 49 for people to lock in on? Yeah, so I'm not a huge Jalen Tolbert fan, but I cannot disagree that you he's criminally being underrated and that where you have him is a great spot. I think this guy definitely has a chance to be a receiver three, receiver four in their offenses. Um, you know, even if, as you kind of alluded to, if Gallup comes back, you're still a role for him. The Dallas doesn't have any depth on their receiving core unless they add some kind of name along their way. It was a clear cut path for him and brother be, you know, the a key part of their offense. We saw Wilson step up. We saw different, we had seen different receivers throughout the years as that third receiver role. Um, for the Dallas Cowboys, have production. So I think when you put all those things together, Tolbert definitely is a guy that you can look at, especially later on in your drafts. Um, I wasn't huge on him, but yeah, 80s is ridiculous. Finally get Chris to come around my side on that. I thought I was getting more pushback, and I did not. But Adam, what do you think about Jalen Tolbert being a last year? I agree almost word for word with Chris. I did not like him very much as a prospect, but I got to say, uh, starting off the season with that kind of opportunity that he has in Dallas, um, where he'll be the number two wide receiver, number three target. I mean, that's hard to ignore, and he is basically free. I mean, it, again, it just as a process thing, that's the type of upside that I want to chase. And again, if he's basically free, then I'll, I'll give up on my pre-draft notions and go ahead and take that lottery pick. It's all about the value. Speaking of all, all about the val, val, uh, value, if I could all talk here, uh, my number one guy, Drake London, ECR wide receiver 37, ADP wide receiver 45. I got him at wide receiver 25. I'm going to need someone to explain this to me as to why they think Drake London deserves to be a wide receiver three, top end wide receiver four, when he's going to have the clear cut target volume correct me if i'm wrong but that was not a very good offense last year and i got told time and time again how kyle pitts needed to be a top five tight end because the volume got consolidated to him and it did it's gonna get consolidated to drake london and kyle pitts so even if this is not a pass first offense even if it's not a highly prolific offense 
when you get into situations where you know where the ball is going and you have limited options and they're talented players on top of it, typically speaking, gives you at the very least a high floor. Oh, by the way, Drake London is a pretty good freaking talented wide receiver. So the only thing I could think of is that people just aren't fans of Marcus Mariota, but maybe I'm going to have Adam explain it to me on this one because he had a good one before show as to why he thought this might be the case, but it still blows my mind. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is Mariota, but Mariota is such a good fit for this offense and like fits everything that Arthur Smith wants to do. He's already been with Arthur Smith before, and it, it's been pretty decent. He had seven touchdowns, two picks, in the six games um, when we last saw him before Ryan Tannehill took over because of Mariota's injury. But the issues with Mariota have always been more injury and more his willingness to be aggressive. And I don't think that that's necessarily going to be an issue for someone like a Drake London, who to me, he was my wide receiver one in this draft class uh, as a prospect. I I love the dude. I think he's getting profiled a lot as just, since he's a big receiver as someone who's got to be jump balls, got to be 50, 50 balls, but he is a fantastic possession receiver. You can use him in the, in the middle. I mean, if you have Kyle Pitts attacking the seams and you have Drake London in the slot, that is going to be free. Like 90% of the time. I think he is such a good fit for everything that's going on in this Atlanta offense where they're gathering up all these big targets and um, going to do a lot of rollouts, a lot of play actions, a lot of efficient offense. I'm definitely with you here. I think that this is a slam dunk, really good value. Chris Drake London was our number one wide receiver in the NFL draft process. We actually did like the fit going to Atlanta. So I have to imagine you're pretty similar to me on this. No. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to point out a lot of people love AJ Brown. Look at AJ Brown's rookie year. Very productive, similar offense. Drake London profile is even better than AJ Brown to coming out. And I think when you look at you know, Adam alluded to, you have a six foot five guy playing the slot receiver, great hands, is able to kind of be red zone target and the short yardage target. So I think Drake London in the sky's the limit. I cannot believe ADP is this low. Get your hands on Drake London. I just want to point out that look, I know it's only four games, but we had a situation where we had Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts on the same on the field at the same time. The targets, the volume was not the issue. And that was with Matt Ryan, who did had his worst year of his career last season. That was not the issue there. So Drake London right now, my number one wide receiver. I'm willing to take him as a top-end wide receiver three, a low-end wide receiver two. And right now he's being drafted pretty much as a wide receiver four. So guys, Drake London, don't sleep on him. No, is he Jamar Chase this year? Probably not to that level. Is he Justin Jefferson this year? No, probably not to that level. But is he going to be a guy who's in your lineup week in, week out? Yes, he absolutely will be, and you're going to be drafting him as your wide receiver four. So make a note of that. Take him maybe around earlier than everybody else. You won't regret that. But, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you all enjoyed it. Again, pre-recording on our way out from the expo where we had a great time. One more shout-out to Bob Lung for doing all the great things he did to put this whole activity together. We can't wait to come back again for our second season next year. Guys, make sure you're tuning back into YouTube and on bellyup.tv on Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be having a half-point PPR mock draft with a couple of guests coming on the show. You're not going to want to miss that. Give a big shout-out to Adam. Adam, what do you got going on coming up, man? Yeah, we're kind of in the transition period for Belly Up Fantasy Live. Uh, So that's the show that I do with Chris um, and under the Belly Up umbrella. We're kind of in a transition period moving in from our off-season schedule 
to our regular season, you know, full on game time schedule. It's it, that time of year is super exciting. Um, so right now, and I will continue to stay in this spot. It'll be Tuesdays, uh, 8.30, and I'll also be rotating around once we get the regular season schedule going up. We'll have a show added on Wednesday and a show added on Sunday. So catch me rotating between the, those two, but I'll always be on that Tuesday, 8.30 show every week um, beginning here pretty soon. That show will also be on bellyup.tv too, so make sure you're checking it out there. Guys, great stuff. I want to get another big shout-out to everyone who came down to the Belly Up Fantasy booth on Sunday, booth number 32. It was great being able to talk to all of you guys in person. Remember, if you ever need help during the season, at Belly Up MDFF show on social media, we'll always be there to help you out. And make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. That really helps out the show and it helps keep you up to date during your travels, too. We'll see you guys all tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern on Thursday for the Half Point BPR Mock Draft. Until then, everybody take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.